This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So I want to welcome everyone to New Church Live. Let's get up, get a little stretch. And what do we want to do is this is actually the beginning of a series called Fail, and we're going to be looking at the word tove. Could we all say tove together? Tove, and it's connected to a very, very famous Jewish blessing where we say mazel tov. So I'm actually going to start today's service saying mazel tov to all you wonderful folks. And what we're going to do is we're going to start by looking at this question. What was something your mom or a significant woman in your life offered you about failure that made a difference? So again, welcome to New Church Live and lots of great, great answers out there. You know, folks talked about keep moving, keep fighting. Um, uh, oh, these are coming in too fast. Uh, failure is an opportunity. Failure is, is a result of not working hard enough. It's an opportunity for growth. And we're going to be looking at some of these other texts as they come in during the course of the service. Because it's, it's important for us to look at this concept of failure. And it's, it's a great time on Mother's Day to look at. I know, I know no mom has ever come to me and said, I've done it all perfectly. <laughs> I'm the perfect mom. And, and I think a lot of the dads in here would resonate with that as well. You know, the, the parenting and, and motherhood, like it, it never is all that perfect. And I think we tend to think of life in these snapshots, in these moments. And we tend to look at this question. I'm going to show you a video here. You know, is life always like this? So I'm going to show you a clip. And it's because I've been dying to use this clip in church. So I'm sort of shoehorning it in. <laughs> this question, is life always like this? Take a look. His parent. He had the hot hand from three in the first half. They're going to have to do something from the outside now. It's Paige off balance. Puts it you folks. Is life always like that? Yes or no? No. It was, it was fun. We're sitting there in sermon writing team and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, oh, that was so cool watching Villanova. And then, then someone in the sermon writing team said this precious thing. They said, Chuck, you do realize the North Carolina players have moms too. And I thought, yeah, that's it. Like it, it isn't as perfect as we might think. So we have to learn how to talk about failure. And it's important to have that conversation. So why is it that maybe we should talk about this? Well, you are probably handling success just fine. No one has ever come to me, Chuck, my relationships are all going really well. I need help. You know, we're probably doing pretty well with those areas. We're doing pretty well. This one I say very tongue-in-cheek. Your opportunities to fail will infinitely exceed your wildest dreams. You're going to have countless opportunities to fail. Countless opportunities where things just don't quite work out the right way. Again and again and again. I, I know most services, like I can, I, I feel like I'll say 10 things to 10 people. Eight of them are good. 
one of them I think, I shouldn't have said that, and the other one I'm thinking, what the heck was I thinking? You know, totally missed on that one, so I apologize to any of you who are one of those ten. You know, well, those opportunities are always in front of us. Failure, even small failure, can improperly define our life. A lot of us have a failure tucked away back in there somewhere. Please raise your hand. <laughs> a failure tucked away back in there somewhere that has become life-defining for you. And it could have it could have gone back to, you know, junior high school cafeteria. Not that that scarred me. <laughs> you know, and it's just it's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. And it will continue to sit there. So we have to, again, like, let's talk about it. And I love this last one. I'm going to have you say the last two words there. Christian is the, I mean, excuse me, failure is the Christian narrative. It is the Christian narrative. This is not, you know, this is not a religion for people who believe in, in tons of superheroes. <laughs> this is a religion for sort of people who get, like, life will have ups and downs. It will have successes. It will have failures. And how is it that we can create kind of a base rhythm where life ends up being good? And even think about that last one, you know, again, like the last one there, failure's the Christian narrative. I was sharing with the, with the group this morning, I, you know, I went out, did a wedding yesterday, I'm driving out to, to do it, and I'm listening to this pastor, and he was talking about the challenges of pastoring, and he said this, is, this was his definition of pastoral leadership. Pastoral leadership is when we learn how to fail at a rate your congregation can tolerate. You know, and I think that's really true. Like, we know we're going to fail, and can we do it at a rate that's such that, yeah, we're just able to hold it. We're able to hold it all together. I think that's very important. So how is it that we kind of get at failure? And this is a three-part series. So I want to lay a, lay a really strong bedrock foundational piece on this so that we really get it, and we really can hold this the whole way through the series. And that's the idea of tov. And can we say that all together again? Tov. I want you to remember that. I want you to just be thinking tov. I want you to think when somebody cuts you off in traffic, I want you to think tov. I want, to think, I want you when you're arguing with your kids this afternoon to think tov. I want this word to just be resonating in your head at least for a little bit because I think it's a really beautiful word. And where does that word go back to? Well, it goes back to the story of creation. Way back in the Old Testament, there's, there's, there's this story of creation, seven days, now, in the new church, we don't read those as literal, like it really happened in seven days. So we're totally comfortable with evolution and all of that. Uh, but what we do is we, we take it very seriously. Like those really are the phases we work through in our life. And there's one word that keeps on, I'm going to give you a quiz here. I want you all to get it. There's one word that is repeated the most in this creation story. The most repeated word is the word tov. The word tov. So I'm not going to read the whole creation story. I'm just going to read a few selected parts of it. And this is from Genesis at the beginning. God saw the light, that it was good. The word tov is the word good. Created earth, sea, God saw that it was good. Seeds and trees, God saw that it was, my heavy complete sense here, God saw that it was Sun and moon, God saw it was good. Sea creatures, fish, birds, God saw that it was good. On the earth, cattle, creeping things, beasts, saw it was good. And then this very last one, which is beautiful. God saw that he had, saw all that he had made, and please say this really loud, and it was very good. 
very good. It was very good. It was very good. And there was evening and the morning, and that was the sixth day. And then the seventh day, God rests. Beautiful, folks. This word, good. This word, tov. And what does this word actually mean? We're going to look at what it means, and we're going to look at what it doesn't mean. Well, the right definition of this word, look at this beautiful definition here. Tov. It means good. It means beautiful. It means working the way it is supposed to. It is, I'm going to have you say the C word there. It's affirming to life in its, in its cycles. So it's this idea of good where, where we're able to hold life and we're able to go, okay, life is it's just going to be mixed. It just is going to be mixed. You know, I'm walking in and Barb and I are looking up at the skies. Today's sort of a beautiful day. Yes. Did it rain some? Little sunshine? Little squirrels eating flowers? <laughs> I saw somebody all worried about that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, it's Tove. It's, it's kind of like even just today has that mix, this beautiful mix. And you hear people speak about that. I was really down on the weather on, on Friday, and I'm trying to walk over to the library, do a little research. It's raining, and, and I end up, you know, I'm walking up this path. This woman's walking on this path, and she has this big smile on her face. And I'm thinking, like, are you in the same weather I am? And she looks at me with a big smile, and she knows who I am. She goes, Chuck, my cabbage loves this weather. All right, I get it, God. <laughs> that's, that's, please say the T word. That is, that's Tove. That's Tove. It's affirming of life in its cycle. Something moms, I think, are particularly adept at. Now, this is really critical. This is one, folks, that if I was to tell you, you know, snapshot or get a tattoo on or something... This next slide is the one I would do it on. Notice God says it's good or very good. He does not say that the world is created. He does not use the P word. What's that? Perfect. Please, folks. Just, I want you to sit with that for a second. What's that middle sign? The math person in the audience, what's that middle sign? Does not equal. Good does not equal perfect. I think that's so critical. And notice, folks, this is how God starts the whole book. By saying, I'm not making it perfectly. I am making it good. Actually, I'm making it very good. But perfection, that ain't it. And we have to understand that in our mindsets, we, we really have a hard time with that, I think. How many of us in here, please raise your hand, wrestle with perfection in at least one area of our lives? You know, I, I imagine a lot of us, a lot of us do. And, uh, you know, it's, it just, it gets, it gets so much in the way because if I'm believing that life is all about being, just saying it perfectly, like, okay, those 10 people that I say I try to talk to at the end of church, I know eight are going to go well, one's going to go, oh, I'm not so sure that worked, and one's going to be a bomb. If I'm really worried about having 10 perfect interactions, what's going to happen to my courage to have any interactions, folks? Disappear. And notice how strong Rob said, like disappears. It just shrivels right up. I just won't talk to anybody. How many of you have ever said that? I'm just, I'm never going to go out again. Right? Mom, I'm never going to go to school again. You know, we've all done that where we just, it can kind of collapse if we don't learn to hold this the right way. So I want to move over onto this carpet, talk about it by looking up here at a chart so that we can understand it. 
So if you look at the words here, key word in, in Hebrew in this part of the story is good or tov. Now we come from a, a Greek origin. I'm a history teacher, old time history geek. So, so I like talking about how culture kind of impacts religion. So in the Hebrew, we were very, very comfortable with the idea that, that life was good, it was tov, right? That it had birth and death to it. It had sort of this cycle of things. Like, this is very tov, right? This beautiful little happy Mother's Day flower, you can look at the flower, it looks perfect. Is this flower symmetric, folks? No. Is, is this flower unchanging? No. If this flower was just a seed, would it be ugly? No. So, so we can look at that and go like, oh yeah, this has a tove feel to it. It's the idea that, that if there is failure, the failure is just part of the flow. So, you know, folks, like oftentimes, I mean, I, I work with couples either when they're so madly in love, they just can't wait to get married, or they're just about to get divorced. I get both ends of that. I don't get anybody in the middle. But... But, but I know, like, this can be, this can be really difficult. And, and I, you know, one of the things I like to remind people who are going through a hard time is, 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 is winter time. Like, you look at the trees in winter. Trees in winter, do they have leaves on them, yes or no? No. Does that make them ugly? No. It's just part of the season. It's just part of the season. We have to learn how to hold those seasons. And that's why that time is season-oriented. Now, the Greek ideal, and you think of that again, like Greeks are known for their statuary, um, was this idea of perfection. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maim this plant a little bit, but there's a point to it. So, so if I take this leaf off of this plant, did this plant just get uglier? No, it really didn't. But, but you look at the idea, of the, the Greek idea of perfection, the Greek idea of a Greek statue. You know, in ancient times, the way you would deface a statue, does anybody know this? How would you deface a statue? Somebody said, good, you knocked off the nose. So as soon as there was one piece missing, because it was all about perfection, because there was one piece missing, you had now completely defaced it. Again, the Hebrew concept can deal with that far differently. Now, on the, on terms of failure, if we believe that life should be perfect in the Greek statue and everything, that it needs to be perfect, 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 when we come up against failure, we bail very quickly. Folks, it's why church work is, is so difficult because I, I mean, I worry about that. Like, does somebody come in here expecting the perfect experience? Because if they do, they're, they're going to find out it's an incredibly imperfect church. You know, led by an even more imperfect pastor. You know, that, that, that it's not perfect. And, and when we come in and it's, and it's imperfect, we, we leave. If we're holding that up as the goal. You know, you think about last week. I don't think, it was such a beautiful service. Like, many tears last week. Packed house. Is that going to be the way it goes every week? No. I couldn't do that every week. <laughs> But that doesn't mean that we don't keep trying. And it also doesn't mean that the other services that may not be that way are bad. It means that we're able to really hold both and try to move away from that. Now, time, again, like you look at the Greek statue idea, time of seasons versus a static event. And think about in your life, how much time do you kind of have that Greek thing to try to make the event perfect? 
If you are out today to create the perfect Mother's Day, welcome to disaster. It won't work. You know where we just try too hard to make something perfect? It, it just, it just, it will inevitably fail. And here's an amazing piece. As the band comes out, as the band comes out, I want you to hear this. It's a really beautiful part of New Church theology. That idea that in life's imperfection is the very perfection of life. That in life's imperfection is actually the very perfection of life. That this really is the model. And that doesn't take away from Greek statues. That doesn't take away from trying to do some things as perfectly as we can. I think that's all part, part of Tov too. But it's trying to maybe shift the paradigm a bit. So we understand things more and more on the left-hand side and move away from that deep idea of perfection that's on the right-hand side. Because if we can do that, folks, it allows us to, to look at failure in a much more enriching way. Not in a way where we're like veering away from it every time it happens, but a way in which we can hold failure and actually start to lean into it and glean from it the lessons that it has to teach us. So, uh, you know, when, when you look at this, folks, this idea of Tov, can, can you start to see, can we get a big yes? Do you start to see how liberating this can be? Yes. You know, this is incredibly liberating. And we start to get it. Because we all sort of know this about life. We know that is how life works, how it functions. And we can hold this as kind of the big picture. This is from New Church Theology here from the book Heaven and Hell. Everything in the universe goes back to what is good and true. Everything in the universe goes back to it. In New Church Theology, that's called this return to first that keeps on happening over and over again. Now, you know, I'd be remiss in not, not offering a little comment on that because anytime we have church, there are people, many people in this congregation with broken hearts over all kinds of different things. Many of you know, you know, my family recently has been struggling with a real challenge, you know, something of a, of a real broken heart in the Blair household. And, you know, so how does this jive? Like everything goes back to good, what's good and true. Like how does that work? Well, this is just one way maybe to hold it. I really believe this. I really believe apathy is the enemy. And, and I think even in those areas that are challenging, in those areas, notice the term we use there, heartbreaking. The tove in that is that we have a heart that can break. God talks about, I'm going to take your heart of stone, and I'm going to create a heart of flesh. I'm going to move you from the Greek idea, captured in stone, captured as a perfect statue, into flesh. And of course, when our hearts moved into flesh, our hearts can be broken. Loved ones dying, illnesses, breakups, dysfunctional relationships, divorces. You, you list goes on and on and on and on. And we could fill it in with all the other world events that are going on that are just heartbreaking. But can we even hold in there? Like, I, I, think about, I think about this, that, you know, the people who I have loved in my life and lost and who I still feel like it still is heartbreaking to me, I can also, in a more quiet moment, get, yeah, but you know what? I knew 
what it was to really love someone. Do you realize what a gift that is? It doesn't matter whether it's loving someone of that age or, or someone of any other age out there. Like the gift that you knew love. The gift that you knew love. I mean, that should just give you chills. See, see the apathy is the enemy. If you didn't feel anything, that's the enemy. That to me is hell. They talk about hell being frozen. You know, and I think that's what it can be. But, but this belief that it will all go back to first. I think critical, critical anchor to new church theology. Now, I want you to see that, to, to see it in action here. And I, we have a lot of teenagers. So this, this is a beautiful video done by a young adult with his family. Is He's talking about what he wrestles with and really trying to look at how he pulls weakness together, the idea that honesty is freedom, the idea that his imperfections are actually his gift. And what he comes up with, even though he doesn't use this word, is that life is very tov. You kind of see that in this video. So take a look. Why do I feel the need to hide my weaknesses? Just cram those flaws and failures into a place where they are never found by anyone. Pretend you have it all together. Pretend that you don't struggle, sin, or fall down. Champion your strengths, but neatly cover up the rest. And yet, it seems that people resonate with those who are honest and vulnerable. Those who are willing to admit humbly of weakness, we gravitate towards those people. Probably because we love knowing that we're not the only ones. That we don't stand alone in weakness. That there are others like us, broken and flawed and struggling just to face the day. I'm reminded of Paul's words in Corinthians. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Slowly, I have been learning in my life the value of weaknesses. And like Paul, how Christ can use them. You see, I am no stranger to the difficulties of this life. I struggle with anxiety. It can be overwhelming at times. I have gone through days where I am so anxious that I cannot eat. I deal with panic attacks and social anxiety that can take control of my life. I have had some dark days. Now, my whole life, I have tried to hide this anxiety struggle. I have been so ashamed 
and fearful of judgment. Will people still accept me if they knew how flawed I actually am? What will people say if I can't do something because I got too nervous? All I could think was, I wish I never had to struggle with anxiety. My life would be so much better. I see the struggle in a different light now. Hiding and pretending does not help. Because my struggle has a purpose for me and for others. Because we don't need more perfect plastic people trying to prove their worth. We need people who are real enough to admit they are not enough. I am invited to rest in the fact that his power is made perfect in my weakness. The very thing I have tried so hard to hide and never expose to anyone, I can consider a blessing. It is a gift that keeps me focused on Christ. Are you running from something? Are you afraid to expose your true but imperfect self? Maybe it's time you tell your whole story. Voicing your weaknesses may change somebody else's life, but I know it will definitely change It's a very powerful, uh, very powerful video because you can see where we're like Tove, the goodness of life is mixed in with weakness and mixed in with vulnerability and, and mixed in with this beautiful concept that, that honesty is freedom. And, and those are the people I think, you know, that who carry that deep authenticity with them in their lives. And I love the way this person said it about here to learn. Now I need to say up front, this next slide we're going to show up here. One of you sent this to me and I forget who. So thank you for sending it. It's a beautiful line. Dear human, you've got it all wrong. You didn't come here to master unconditional love. That is where you came from and where you will return. You came here to learn personal love, universal love, messy love, sweaty love, crazy love, broken love, whole love, infused with divinity. Lived through the grace of stumbling. Demonstrated through the beauty of messing up often. You didn't come here to be perfect. You already are. You came here to be gorgeously human, flawed and fabulous, and then to rise again into remembering. Love that last line. 
That rising again into remembering, I think what, what we have to come from then is, is that starting point that ends up being that ending point. Like uh, T.S. Eliot, you'll, you'll travel from home and come back to the same place, but know it for the first time. That Hebrew word again, the Hebrew word tov, so important because it fits. It fits right into this. We're going to put that up on the screen. And that, that Hebrew word tov is so critical. And you think about how that word functions. It, it was interesting, you know, when we were talking in the sermon writing team about, yeah, well then how do we really wrestle with failure? Because what we don't want to do is we don't want to sort of, you know, come up with this is the successful way to deal with failure. You know, we actually have to be able to handle it in a more nuanced fashion. And one of the people on the sermon writing team said this, and it was, it was Mark, and I thought it was really good. Mark said, you know, when I fail at something, or when there's a big failure in my life, a big loss, the last thing I want somebody to do is to come up to me and say, it's all very good, <laughs> right? Do you have certain words for that kind of person? You know, I, it's, it's, I, we don't want that. You know, it's not what we're looking for at that moment. Now, maybe there's a space and a time for those words, but right in the midst of loss and failure, the last thing you want to say is, it's all very good. Because at that moment, it certainly doesn't feel that way. So how is it then that we can hold it? Well, I think, I think with failure, we learn to accept it versus judge it. In other words, that, that, that I have to accept that failure is just part of the game. It's just part of the game. I failed, but I'm not a failure. I failed, but I'm not a failure. See the difference? It's a huge difference. And I just have to hold it that way. Instead, you know, we, we have failures and, and, you know, we look at that and we go like, well, Villanova won, North Carolina lost. You know, we, we have these judgments on it. Where the reality was, in that moment, basketball won, <laughs> if that makes sense. That there's, there's a bigger holding to things where, where success and failure can be part of one picture. And that's what I think we can honor on Mother's Day. Now, I actually do want to honor this on Mother's Day. So what we're going to do now is we're going to be passing around the microphone, and I'm going to allow people to raise their hand. And I, I, what I want you to offer is, is, what did you feel your mother did that was very good? Now, to do this, again, we have a large online audience a very large online audience. So we're going to call somebody first. They're, they've been, they wanted to call in to talk to their mom. They're calling from Virginia. So just, I'm not Mr. Tech Savvy. Hey, Chuck, how's it going? Good. Everybody say hi to Jack. Say hi, Jack. Hi. All right, Jackie. Hi, you get to get us started here. So who would you like to honor? Uh, I'd like to honor my mother. Um, and I think I, I wrote a little something to talk about. I'm just kind of going to speak from the heart. Um, I think the most important lesson that my mother taught me is that failure is not the thing we should be most afraid of. Um, if we fail, we've tried something that we haven't tried before. And that really resonates with me. Um, another thing that I, I looked at is we are doing something to challenge ourselves as all mothers do. 
And I think it's so amazing to watch mothers grab motherhood and wrestle it to the ground without question. Um, it may not be perfect, but we all know that doesn't exist. It is, however, the true love that keeps them going. I think my greatest gift to give back on this Mother's Day is to manifest those qualities and everything that I do. To give 100% and not just expect everything to go perfect, but have the strength to deal with the imperfections of everything of life. So that's the gift I'd like to give back to my mother today. Thanks, Jack. Take care. Give him a round of applause, folks. All right, now Luke will be coming around the audience to give you a chance to offer. So if you'd like to offer something, you can, you can say it. Again, just like one or two sentences, what you'd like to honor that you felt like your mom did that was very good. Well, I'm going to say something first. Move, you about, just got to move away from the speaker, that's all. I'm just going to say something about my mom. Um, I think that uh, she taught me how to really... Uh, just love consistently and, and support those around me. And she's done it uh, very well with all nine of her kids and, and uh, all the other kids around her. So thank you, Mom. That was beautiful, Luke. My mom said, uh, Mark, there's always going to be somebody bigger, stronger, and God knows better looking. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're not good enough and you should always, uh, try, try your best. Don't worry about failing. I just wanted to say that my mom showed her love of life through her artwork, which was not perfect, but it was Tove. My mom always believed in me more than I believed in myself, and it taught me to actually, you can be trapped by your own perceptions and to go for it, and she always believed that I could do anything I set my heart to. My mom taught me the value of friendship and what it is to be a true long-term friend. I'm sitting with my mom's best friend of 75 years, mm -hmm. and I have wonderful friends that I've had for many, many years, and that's very important. Great, thank you. My mom taught me to be kind and to not judge people because you never know the journey that they've walked. Yeah, yeah. that's good, thank you. My mom taught all eight of her kids to be creative and to, to believe in that creativity and to use it. My mom uh, taught me that if I always did my best, you really never truly failed. Last one. Hi, uh, my mom taught me to 
look out towards the, where you can do good for other people. Taught me about where, when people are in need, you come and give them a hand. You know, and a, and a couple of, you know, shout outs to the, to the moms in my life. You know, I think about my mom, and I've said this before, and it's really true. If I called her today and I said, Mom, I'm going to be an astronaut, she'd go, you'll be the best astronaut NASA's ever had. <laughs> Inevitably. If, if I told her I was taking over the band, she would say that same thing. Um, you know, which is just wonderful. And then, and then my wife, you know, like what an amazing woman she is. You know, and we've gone through a lot of heartbreak in our family over the past month. And, uh, you know, my wife is big on to-do lists, honey-do lists. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, rest of the husbands out there. I don't like honey-do lists at all. I've even heard of people who've broken their hand. They've gotten so angry at, at honey-do lists. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, because I always feel like it's a report card. But we've just had a lot to get done. And my wife really has taught me just how to keep showing up. Keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up, even if you don't want to. So she knows that I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm not a big list person, but she knows she has to leave a list or I won't actually do the 10 things. So, so she writes out her list, and then you have to combine it with this other thing. I am a sucker, yes, for Bertucci's, but also for peanut M&M's. So she puts the list posted on a packet of peanut M&M's. Did I marry up or what? You know, like that... that That, that kind of thing. You see, and that's so tove because I'm completely annoyed at the list. <laughs> but I love peanut M&M's. There's tove for you. And, and you know, this, this beautiful mix that is life. Like, we're all so goofy and, and, and so fun. And life, life, can be, life can be so good. It can be so good. It can be very good. So, you know, as, as, as you're coming here today, like, like just take that with you through this week. And just as these inevitable little nicks and cuts of life show up this week, I just want you to say one word, just a one-word prayer, and it begins with teeth. And I want you to all say it really loud. That one word of I'm now going to offer a prayer. You'll have the opportunity to say your own prayer, the Lord's Prayer as you know it, have a moment of quiet meditation. Then you're welcome as well to join us in our last song. Smiling Ed is actually going to be leading us in the last song. He's never sang a lead here, so we're all excited about that. And the, the, the lyrics are just really basic, like it's wagon wheel, rock me mama. I think we all can remember that. And that's where we're going to close today's service. So please join me in a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, help us, help us to understand the goodness of life, the richness of life, the very, very goodness of life. And Lord, if we are coming here with a broken heart, allow there to be a stirring that even that brokenness is a simple testimony to that we knew and we know love. And love does have times that it suffers. And it has times, Lord, when it rejoices. And let this Mother's Day from this minute forth just be a time of rejoicing. A time of tov. 
a time where we set aside the need for everything to be perfect and we just celebrate life on life's terms. And those terms are so good and so blessed and so joyous and so fun. Let us leave here in that place, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Bless, Lord. Bless this congregation. Allow us to live a week ahead. A week ahead with Tov. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.